Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you from uh, Sherman Center, which is the center of town Sherman in Sheboygan County, Wisconsin, (laughs) Uh, if you didn't know that. Um, We do this each day, reading through God's Word. This is a way uh, to encourage a daily discipline of the study of of the Holy Scriptures. And of course, uh, God's Word is not just a a nice story, but it's rather the story, uh, your story, and the story of your salvation. So it is of uh, preeminent importance that you know uh, what God has to say to you, because that's how you understand yourself, this world, uh, and namely who he is, especially for you in Jesus Christ, right? So um, Bible study, in a, in a kind of formal way, uh, isn't necessarily uh, <laughs> what we're going for. Although, you know, digging deep into God's word is really the point, because in it, um, faith in Christ is both uh, created and sustained, right? So that that's the purpose. It's not really an academic thing as much as it is uh, a way of um, being with Christ. All right. Good to see you checking in. I see uh, Karen, Tim, Gus, and Eileen have checked in so far. Um, Others may join us in a moment, so that'll be great too. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse for this week. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 16. And our psalm, Psalm 119, beginning on 129. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise, and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your just decrees. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. 
All right. Uh, our first reading today is continuation of St. Paul's letter to Rome, chapter 16. Uh, before we begin, I had a little convo offline, and uh, it looks to be that the, the letter was written by Paul on his third missionary journey uh, before he traveled to Jerusalem, as we talked about yesterday. All right. So again, somewhere around 55 or so AD. Romans 16. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Cancaria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed she has been my hel- a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countryman. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tremphenia and uh, Trephosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet uh, Asyncritus, Phlegion. Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus, and Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now, those names would be a lot easier to pronounce if they were, if I had the Greek in front of me. <laughs> the English uh, transliteration isn't always perfect. Okay. Um, quite a few interesting names there, right? Uh, notice they're Greek names. These are not Hebrew names, right? Because who is Paul uh, writing to? He's writing to Jewish converts, um, but who are not uh, Jewish by uh, ancestry, but rather uh, coming into the church in Rome. And of course, predominantly, those are going to be Gentiles in the church of Rome. All right. Uh, so, of course, we shouldn't be surprised that Paul's um, co- people he commends are Gentiles and have these Greek names, Greek and Roman names. All right. Um, that last statement, though, is something very important. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, the Eastern Church has retained the practice of the holy kiss. It's not where we do the holy handshake, as I call it, um, you know, to greet one another uh, with the peace of Christ. Uh, that's where it is in the Western Rite, which comes right before the service of the sacrament, after the prayer of the church. Um, and we've been doing that with both service one and now service four, after the prayer of the church, to greet one another. Um, and that especially, though, was for the purpose of reconciliation, right? So that before uh, you would come before the altar, you would set aside your gift and uh, reconcile with your brother or sister, and then take your offering up to the altar, that is, um, sacrifice of prayer and praise. So what would happen, uh, what happens in the Eastern liturgy is that they actually greet one another with this kiss after um, the, the Pax Domini, the peace of the Lord be with you always, amen, uh, and the Agnus Dei, then they would greet one another before they would come to the altar to receive the sacrament. But 
works just as well. Now their greeting would be with a holy kiss. This is mentioned as well at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians, which we studied uh, back in the spring. Or was it the winter? I don't know. Previously. (laughs) Okay, and then our reading for catechesis is from Acts uh, 27 and 28, picking up where we left off yesterday. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a day a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go of the anchors and left them in the sea, meanwhile loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where the two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Now, when they had escaped, they, they, they then found uh, found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome, because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island and the name, whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. All right, so the famous shipwreck um, at the island of Malta. Uh, one thing, well, maybe I'll hold off on that until later on. Uh, I did want to point out something in particular that I think is interesting, but we'll get to that. All right, so first let's do some uh, catechesis here, questions and answers, back and forth. All right, so what did uh, the daylight reveal when it was day? Remember, it was evening yesterday. Yeah, they were coming upon um, a bay with a beach on land and they hope to run the ship uh, onto. So in order to do so, what they do? How do you run the ship up onto the beach? Yeah, Uh, let the anchors off, set the rudder free, hoist the mainsail, right? And then make for the shore. I I think they thought if they uh, went aground on the the, uh, sand that they would uh, maybe save the ship. Of course, what actually happened? Verse 41. Yeah, they hit the place where the two seas meet, um, which would be turbulence, right? And ran aground and uh, on and got stuck on a reef, and even and the stern was being broken up uh, by the violence of the waves. 
And what did the soldiers want to do? Kill the prisoners, right? Rather than allow them to escape. Um, but who prevented them? It says here, the centurion, right? Who wanted to save Paul. So he gave an order. What was the order? Right, that those who could swim should jump overboard and, and make for sure. Um, the rest were to take, you know, pieces of the broken stern, uh, parts of the ship, you know, law, um, boards there, uh, and try to make for sure that way. Of course, then Luke says, at the end here, verse 44, they all escaped safely to land. This is important because remember what Paul said to the centurion. Yeah, quoting the angelic messenger who had come to him by night, stood by him by night. Um, this is fulfilling the word that Paul had spoken, that none would perish, just only the ship. All right, we find out the name of the island. It's called Malta or Melita. Um, it's 58 miles south of the island of Sicily. 58 miles south of Sicily. So we still got a ways to go to get to Rome, right? Um, how were they treated on the island? Yeah, the natives of the island were, were friendly. Uh, they built a fire for them, uh, especially because it was still rain, rainy and cold, right? No shelter, though. Uh, then something interesting happens, right? Yeah. Uh, a viper jumps out of the uh, fire and fastened its hand on Paul while he was gathering um, sticks and putting them on, right? Of course, the term for viper is something that St. Luke has used before, way back in Luke chapter 3. Yeah, in regards to John the Baptist, remember, he called um, those who came out to him, you brood of vipers, right? Who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? That'll come up. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So uh, here's what's interesting. The uh, natives, how do they interpret? How did, what did they conclude from this event, the viper fastening onto hands, Paul's hand? Yeah, this is a sign, right, that he's a murderer, that he's escaped from the sea, and yet he will not escape, what do they say? That he will not escape justice. Justice does not allow this man to live. Of course, Paul just shakes the viper off into the fire and suffers no harm, right? Um, but they still expect, as Luke records, that his hand, that he would swell up and, uh, or would suddenly fall down dead. Of course, when no change comes upon him, what do they conclude? That he must be um, a god. Um, this is an interesting phenomena, I would say, of, uh, especially amongst Christians, but I would say generally, is that those parts, uh, or those people that are less subject to nature, um, have kind of um well they lose their they lose their religious kind of uh, interpretation of everything that happens around them all right so um you know think about if you are subject to the land as a farmer or um as a as a fisherman um or if you live nearby you know uh, uh wildlife you know where where you might experience the violence of uh, a bear bear attack or something like that um you're going to have a much more the word is metaphysical view of nature, that whether God's in nature or God is using nature, you'll see that, um, you know, where you're subject to, to storms and rain and whatever, um, and kind of the, 
almost capriciousness of of creation. Whereas if you live in a city, if you live outside of nature, if you live distinct from nature, um, you tend to be more godless or rather uh, polytheistic. You see God, your gods be, are really new gods, you know, the gods of money and of wealth, power, um, authority, uh, violence, these sort of things. Um, so it's, it's quite a bit, they have a quite a bit different view. And it's simply because these natives are actually well connected to nature. So that's what I wanted to point out to you. All right, who's, leading, who's the leading citizen of the region on that island? His name is uh, Publius, right? And uh, he entertains them courteously, shows hospitality to them for, there's that word, or that expression again, for three days. All right, so pointing us again to a resurrection of sorts, right? It's being saved from the shipwreck. Um, what's wrong with the father of Publius? Yeah, he's got a fever and a dysentery, which is, uh, of course, a, an infection of the intestines, right? Um, and what does Paul do? Like any of the apostles, right? He goes in, he prays upon him, lays his hands on him, and heals him. Um, why is the reference to hands striking here? These are the hands. He lays his hands on him. What had just laid hands on Paul? Yes, the viper who sought to strike him, I'm dead. And yet there had been no death. And here Paul puts his hands on this man, lay your hands on me, right? To quote Peter Gabriel, and he's healed. Uh, What does this account then remind us of? Maybe a few different ones, but back in Luke, the gospel according to Luke, we had Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. uh, And then afterwards they brought the sick to him so that he laid his hands on him. And the same thing is happening here with Paul. All right, very good. Meditation on this text. Death is everywhere in the, in the text. The storm, the desire to kill the prisoners, and the viper. But Paul, the prisoners, and the soldiers all receive life. The centurion listened to Paul's words from the Lord, and life emerges from death. Once more, there is a third day in the text, and again, there is life as the father of Publius is raised from dysentery and fever. Those who hear the word of the one who died and rose again bring life wherever they go. Like the viper that latches onto Paul's hands, the devil will try to bring death to God's people. But ministers lay on their hands and speak the word of forgiveness of sins that raises men from death to life. Good. Let's confess our catechism for this week, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you hallow your name among us when your word is taught in its truth and purity, and when we, as your dear children, also lead holy lives according to it. We give thanks to you for the gift of your word, for our pastors, parents, and others who teach it, and for the holy lives of all your faithful Christians who live according to it. Forgive us for the many ways in which we profane your holy name among us 
by failing to teach your word and its truth and purity, to pray for our pastors and teachers, or to lead holy lives. Protect us from false doctrine and evil living. Help all who are called to teach and preach your word to do so with faithfulness, and grant us to receive your word rightly, that our lives may be made holy by it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray on Thanksgiving today with Kara, who celebrates her baptism. We pray for the households of our congregation, especially the household of Jason, Kevin and Kim, Kyle, Tanya, Jim and Mardell, and Walt and Ruth. Continue to pray on Thanksgiving with Tyler and Elizabeth. And we pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment and recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy and Ken, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis and Janice, and Mickey, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Compassion International. We ask for and that the Lord preserve and increase uh, hope among us, especially the hope of the resurrection and life everlasting. Pray for all our sister congregations in our circuit. Pray for those who are grieving, especially Jim at the death of his brother Roy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect for this week. O gracious God, your servant and apostle James was the first among the twelve to suffer martyrdom for the name of Jesus Christ. Pour out upon the leaders of your church that spirit of self-denying service, that they may forsake all false and passing allurements and follow Christ alone, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We have another commemoration today. Today is the commemoration of Robert Barnes, confessor and martyr. It's one of my favorite figures of the Reformation. Um, so let's see, what should we do first here? Uh, first, uh, just a little bit about Mr. Barnes. Remembered as a devoted disciple of Martin Luther, Robert Barnes is considered to be among the first Lutheran martyrs. Born in 1495, Barnes became the prior of the Augustinian Monastery at Cambridge, England. Converted to Lutheran teaching, he shared his insights with many English scholars through writings and personal contacts. During a time of exile to Germany, he became friends with Luther and later wrote a Latin summary of the main doctrines of the Augsburg Confession called the Sententiae. Upon his return to England, Barnes shared his Lutheran doctrines and views in person with King Henry VIII and initially had a positive reception. In 1529, Barnes was named Royal Chaplain, but the changing political and ecclesiastical climate in his native country, however, claimed him as a victim. He was burned at the stake in Smithfield in 1540. His final confession of faith was published by Luther, who called his friend Barnes, our good, pious dinner guest and house guest, this holy martyr, Sir St. Robert Barnes. Um, Here's actually more from Luther on Robert. This Dr. Robert Barnes we certainly knew, and it is a particular joy for me to hear that our good, pious dinner guest and house guest has been so graciously called by God to pour out his blood and to become a holy martyr for the sake of his dear son. Thanks, praise, and glory be to the Father of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who again, as at the beginning, has granted us to see the time in which his Christians, before our eyes and from our eyes and from beside us, 
are carried off to become martyrs, that is, carried off to heaven and become saints. Now, since this holy martyr, Sir Robert Barnes, heard at the time that his king, Henry VIII of England, was opposed to the Pope, he came back to England with the hope of planting the gospel in his homeland, and finally brought it about that it began. To cut a long story short, Henry of England was pleased with him, as is his way, until he sent him to us at Wittenberg in the marriage matter. Doctor, that's a whole side story. Dr. Robert Barnes himself often said to me, Rex meus nun or non curat religionem, sed est, etc. My king does not care about religion, but he is, etc. Yet he loved his king and homeland so keenly that he willingly endured everything like that and always thought to help England. And it is indeed true that one who would not be optimistic toward his homeland and would not wish everything good for his prince must be a shameful rogue as not only the scriptures, but also all our laws teach. He always had these words in his mouth, Rex meus regum meum, my king, my king. As his confession indeed indicates that even until his death, he was loyal towards his king, with all love and faithfulness, which was repaid by Henry with evil. Hope betrayed him, for he always hoped his king would become good in the end. Let us praise and thank God. This is a blessed time for the elect saints of Christ and an unfortunate, grievous time for the devil, for blasphemers and enemies, and it is going to get even worse. Amen. Wow, that's something. I should share that elsewhere. Um, the, the marriage matter, of course, is that uh, through Barnes, um, Luther was asked to uh, counsel Henry on, on the annulment of his marriage to, which, was it Anne? Or was it Mary? I can't remember. One of the Marys. Um, and Luther, Luther said he's the king. He can do what he wants with his marriage. <laughs> and that's uh, the Lutheran view of marriage is that it's really a civil estate uh, that we seek God's blessing in. All right. Oh, I forgot to pray. Let's pray in Thanksgiving for um, Dr. Barnes. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, you gave courage to your servant Robert Barnes to give up his life for confessing the true faith in the Reformation. We continue, may we continue steadfast in our confession of the apostolic faith and suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. We sing our hymn, O Lord Jesus Christ, the Church's Head.
Jesus Christ, the church is at you. Before you bows and waits for your salvation, built on this rock secure, your church shall endure, though all the world decay and all things pass away. Oh, That concludes our congregation of prayer for today, July 30th, 2021. It's good to have you with us here today. Uh, make plans to join us again in the morning at 9 a.m. and then Sunday at 9.30 for divine service. Also, if you uh, didn't get the announcement or you weren't in church last week, uh, be sure to add this in our email 
um, to help you prepare for Sunday, uh, that there is a meal after church on Sunday and Thanksgiving for all the decades of service that we received from um, our school secretary, Nancy Ernst, and our church secretary, Sandy Prater, who both um, have retired. All right. So uh, make plans to bring a dish and stay for a meal of fellowship and time after church on Sunday. Um, Otherwise, we'll see you again in the morning.